Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Well, welcome to week two of Live, Laugh, Love. We, um, we take this series from a, a poem that was written in 1904, and the, the lady that wrote the poem basically was saying that people who are successful in life are people who have uh, learned how to live well. We talked about that last week, living with intentionality, living with being able to connect meaning to your life, and that when you can, can figure out that, that God made you and that when you plug into what God wants for you, that's going to bring meaning to your life and going to make your life make way more sense. Uh, we talked about that last week. Live well. Today it's laugh often. We're going to laugh today. And then next week it's, it's love, mu- or, yeah, love much. Um, the, we're going to hopefully... And the goal of this whole series has been to make you smile, to give you some joy, to, to um, you know, to get you away from, because what happens is time compresses, doesn't it? Th- uh, Thanksgiving happens, then December is upon us, and you've got office parties to go to, and you've got st- commitments at work, Christmas time stuff at work, you have uh, family stuff. I was just talking to people this morning, talking about how busy they are and how many things they've got to do between now and Christmas, and shopping, and, and kids, and, 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 and next thing you know... All the joy's gone, and you're not having fun. And it's it's and there's you know we talk about Merry Christmas, but really, what is that? And so, um, this season comes along, and it just seems to kind of steal our joy. So this whole series is really about trying to put some joy back into life and get people to uh, to remember what this is all about and to find the joy in it. The Christmas story itself is set in a pretty dark time. If you if you look at it in terms of history. Um, the Jewish people were under Roman rule. They were living basically in occupied territory. It wasn't a lot of fun for them. And, and this, this whole story unfolds in a pretty bleak time in, in Jewish history. And I want to start this morning by reading part of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. I'm going to pick up at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. It's interesting at what time of day this is. It says at night. So these guys are pulling an all-nighter. They must have been college students. You know, you wonder if, if uh, pizza was involved in this in some way. Um, they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. Verse 9 says, the angel of the, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, and look what the angel says. Now, God has not spoken in 400 years. All right? God's not spoken in 400 years, and, and he's going to speak, and here is what he says. Do not be afraid. I bring you good, no- good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Great joy for all the people. The Christmas message, we've been saying this for a while now, the Christmas message is not good news for Christians. It's not good news for you know, a certain economic, socioeconomic class. It's not good news for certain ones. It is good news for all people. doesn't matter where you go to church, whether you do go to church or not. The, the Christmas story, the news that God brought... Was, was news to cause great joy for all the people. And again, our goal today is really just to make you smile, to, to have you leave here and go, you know what, that is, I enjoyed that. I mean, I, you know, I'm feeling better than I did before I came. I mean, you brave the cold weather, and you brave the, the icy parking lot, and you, anybody go down? Anybody go down this morning in the parking lot? Oh, we do have a winner. We have a winner. Um, sorry about that. We can't ice the whole parking lot, or we can't salt the whole parking lot for you. Um, to start today, I want to tell you a joke, okay? 
want to tell you a Boudreaux joke. You ever heard a Boudreaux joke? Thibodeau found this parrot, and he wanted to send it to Boudreaux. And uh, these are a couple of Cajun boys, and so Thibodeau finds this parrot, and he says, I'm going to send that parrot to Boudreaux, because this parrot speaks four languages. So he gets the parrot, he puts it in the mail, and he mails it to Boudreaux. After Christmas, he runs across Boudreaux, and he walks up to him, and he says, Hey, man, you get that parrot I sent you? He said, Oh, yeah, I got that parrot. Tastes so good. He said, Man, you're not supposed to eat the parrot. He said, No, man, I make gumbo out of that parrot. That parrot tastes the best gumbo I ever eat in my life. He said, Boudreaux, that parrot speaks four languages. He said, Parrot should have said something. It is surprising, but some folks don't think that laughter has a place in the church. But, but laughter has a major theme throughout the scriptures. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then you come to verse 4, and one of the lines there, there is a time to laugh. And you can talk to some people and they say, well, you shouldn't laugh in church. You know, church, you should be buttoned down and it should all be serious and you shouldn't, you shouldn't laugh in church. That's not the, the place for that. I beg to differ. I mean, I, that's, I couldn't disagree more. You, if you can't leave church and be happy, if you can't leave church and be lifted up and feel better about life and things, and even when it's hard, if you can't leave church, if you leave here and you don't feel uplifted and encouraged, then we haven't done our job. We, we haven't done it right. And so, you know, God is not, I think some people think that God is some faceless being in a chair somewhere playing mac whack-a-mole with all the sinners, you know. There's one, there's one, you know, and we're just trying to dodge God because we all know we've got it coming. And that's not the way it is. Psalm 2.4 says, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. I like that. That's part of his nature. He created laughter. He created smiles. He created joy. It's, it's his desire for us to be joyful people, and it adds value to you and me. This morning, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, and I don't know how this is going to hit you. Um, some of what you're about to see or hear is, might be a little irreverent for you. I hope you're loose enough that you can handle it, but I promise you you're going to laugh. I'm going to show you the last several minutes of a comedy routine by a guy named Tim Hawkins. And and if, if this guy does not make you laugh, I, I seriously doubt you could fog a mirror this morning, okay? So, so just to kick things off, we're, we're just going to laugh a little bit this morning. Let's watch a tape. You guys remember those scented markers when we were kids? I, mean, I was thinking about the other day. Scented markers. And they wonder why we're the way we are. Let's start thinking, hmm, how can we get the kids to sniff markers all day? How can we do that? Sitting in class. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. It's a blueberry. It really is. <laughs> man, let's start a band, man. <laughs> No, it's funny, we talked about Cooter before, the way people name their kids, you know, that's just funny. I love uh, parents who name their kids spiritual names. You probably know them, spiritual. 
Like, this is grace, mercy, and truth. Yes. And justice is on the way. Give me a break. Why don't you name those kids after the way they really are? You know, this is vengeance, greed, and sloth. Right here. Say, take, say, take, get over here! And deception is on the way. I think we ought to name kids like they did thousands of years ago, like Alexander the Great. This is my brother, Carl the Mediocre. Timmy the Bedwetter, right over here. Fantastic. I'm walking like the devil now. Why am I doing this? You know who gets the worst names of all, especially around here, grandparents? There's no grandmas and grandpas anymore. It's all peepaw, my meemaw, my wee-wall. That's my noo-noo and my boo-boo, and that's my seesaw over there. My goo-goo-goo-boo, doo-doo-doo. What are you calling them that for? Anybody here got a weird, who's got a weird grandparent name? Who do you, what do you call them? Mama. Mama. Mama! A weirder one, yes. Coopop? Coopop. What is he, a Teletubby? What do you call him that for? Coopop, baby, Coopop. Hey, Coopop. But you ask people, why are you calling that? Well, the baby couldn't say grandpa. All he could say was Coopop. Papoopop. So now we all just call him Koo Poo Poo, Kaw Kaw, Polka, Pee Pee Paw, Wah Wah. Like, man, that kid's eating out of the flower pot. You're letting him name the patriarch of your family? That kid's a homeschooler, man. But now I got three kids of my own. And uh, it's like you try to give them good advice, you know. I try, I'm trying, I'm doing the best I can. Sometimes parents, we just fail at advice. I remember my mom when I was a kid. She used to give me good advice too late. Think about it. Good advice too late. Like when I was a kid, I hit my head on the corner of the table. Careful! Boy, I'm sure glad you were there, Hoss. Who knows what would have happened, Nostradamus? <laughs> Moms are a big help when you lose something, aren't they? You ever lose something? Your mom is just not a help at all. Hey, Mom, I can't find my wallet. Well, it's gotta be somewhere. It's like, that's good. I thought I was going crazy for a minute. I thought I was looking for something that didn't exist. Thank you. And then they go, where'd you leave it last? You're good. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. I was looking where I left it.
Mom is the worst nurse in the world. Some women, the parents and mothers, they just don't. You do the same thing, no matter what's wrong with the kid, you tell them to do the same thing. Especially women in the South, when I was mom's kid. I was like, Mom, I don't feel good. You need to go sit on the pot. You need to sit on the, yeah. It's ancient wisdom that only I can conceive. Go sit on the pot, you'll feel fantastic, I'm telling you. I think I broke my leg. You need to go sit on the pot. Okay. Okay, I'm trusting you. It's still kind of throbbing, Marcus Welby. I don't think this is it. I can see her at my funeral. I told him to sit in the pot. I told him. He never listens to me at all. Some of you ladies, look, ladies, Vicks VapoRub does not cure everything. Rub some Vicks on it. Okay. It's bleeding. I don't care. Just rub it in. You guys ever, you know, you go to bed, your mom puts that Vicks VapoRub on your chest all over? Wasn't that the longest night of your life? You're in there, oh. I think I'm at Woodstock. What am I? Sometimes parents give you directions, they're like, they give you things to do and advice. You're like, I know that. The parents will tell you anyway, they just think you're dumb. I don't care how old you are, you know? Like I'm driving away from my, from my parents' house recently. It's a 10 hour drive home. My mom's out on the porch, waving goodbye. She says, all right, y'all get tired, you can stay at a hotel. If you're hungry, get you something to eat, okay? Wait, let me get a pen and paper, ma. These are some real nuggets of wisdom you're throwing out here. You're like a Jedi master over there, yeah. Hey Yoda, what happens if they get thirsty? What do we do then? Drink water. And everybody in this, this room has gotten this when you're driving away from a parent. Drive careful! Duh. Well, they're going to say, drive fast and take chances. Cut people off, sweet pea. Use your road rage if you have to. Don't let people merge. Show them your tall finger. She did. She says that. If you get hungry, get you something to eat. She, <laughs> she just did. Oh, you're going to be driving along. <laughs> I know I need to do something. <laughs> but I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Honey, get the notebook. I need to look this up. Does it change a tire? What do we do when I'm stomach? Drive careful. I was up in uh, Flower Mound, Texas. I don't know if I've been to Flower Mound. 
I saw the sign in a Flower Mound neighborhood. It said, drive careful, we love our children. Oh, do you? You need that sign, we all love our children. You're never gonna see a sign that says, gun it, we'll make more. My kids are crazy, though, man. They're nuts. I tell you, I love them to death. They're just nuts. I mean, I got a little boy. He's just like, he's little. And uh, just crazy. I was walking down the stairs one time, and I saw him eating a milk bone dog biscuit. He's my third child. So I let him. Yeah. You parents know exactly what I'm talking about. You do. It's not that you don't love them as much. You just don't care about certain things. You're just a little more lackadaisical about certain issues. Eating a milk bone, I'm like, sure, go ahead, eat the thing. It's probably good for his teeth. Look at that shiny coat. Look at that. He's beautiful. Get the frisbee. Go get the frisbee. Get the frisbee. I don't know. When my three, you know, when my son was three, he's like, he, boys, they just make up games like they want to hurt themselves. They do. I'm like out in the backyard one time. My son comes out. Hey, Dad, throw that brick at me and see if I can get out of the way. Yeah. It's called Dodge Brick. It's great. Fling one right at my head and don't tell me when you throw it. I'll try to listen for the whiz. <laughs> He's my third child. Don't you judge me. Because it wasn't until that brick left my hand, I was thinking, this is probably not a good idea. I'll be right back. Okay, this is the last song, and I think it's very appropriate. Give me the shortest chord you have. Yeah, the, the three-footer, that'd be perfect. I want to feel like a dog in a yard. Give me a milk bone, I'm bored. Okay, this is a song, and you guys have given me such hope tonight. I want to give you... Uh, some hope and this is a song about hope and a future that I would like to see and, um, and take it with you share it with others <laughs> bless you Imagine there's no traffic No construction zone No driving slow in the fast lane While talking on cell phones Imagine all the people 
driving like they had a brain. Imagine kids not whining No screaming fits or squeals When they don't get the toy they want In their happy meals Imagine all the parents Burning down Chuck E. Cheese God gave me this song. <laughs> you may say I'm a psycho, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday things will go my way and the world will be more. Imagine all the actors and musicians too would stick to acting and singing with no political views. Imagine Barbara Streisand falling down a flight of stairs <laughs> You may say I don't like Barbara Streisand But I'm not the only one looks like this song always goes well in Texas for some reason Cause you people here sure are fun Good night, drive careful, see you later For the record, we have no problem necessarily with Barbara Streisand But that was funny, that was really funny <clears throat> Here is the question this morning, okay? Why don't we do that more? Why don't we laugh more? What, what has happened to us that we don't do that more? I think that the little children's uh, Christmas story that is on every year this time, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, I think there's a clue in that uh, show because what they say is they, they, they weren't really sure what the reason was why the Grinch was so mean and hated Christmas, but that they suspected the reason was that his heart was two sizes too small. I think they're on to something. I think that what they stumbled upon is the thing that's robbing joy from us is not some thing on the outside. Because you know people, the same people I know, and they're in the snow today. They had to get in the traffic. They had to get in the snow. And they haven't let it ruin their day. There are people that had to go through traffic just like you had to get to traffic to the mall yesterday, and they didn't let it ruin their day. There are people who have bad things happen in their world, and, and 
we go through bad things, but, but some people, it doesn't ruin everything. For some people, they're able to press through and find joy and be happy and, and laugh and smile. And, and what, what's, so it, it can't be something on the outside. It's got to be something on the inside. It can't be the weather or the traffic or, you know, you know a, a, a relative that's driving you crazy. It can't be something like that. It's got to be something on the inside. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else. And just let me give you a Bible reading tip, okay? When you're reading your Bible and the sentence starts, above all else, you may want to get your pen out. That might be important. Above all else... Guard your heart. Because what's going on on the inside determines what's happening on the outside. For everything you do flows from it. In other words, it's determining the quality of your life. It's not the stock market. It's not people. It's not the government. It is the connection that we have allowed our hearts to get into. This, this, or the condition, this... This idea that, that, you know, if it's bad on the outside, then it's going to affect me in this negative way and it's just going to make me unhappy. And the Bible in the New Testament said that one of the characteristics of end times people, of people that, you know, as we get close to the time when Jesus comes back, you're going to see some things happen in the hearts of people. Things that aren't good. Things that, that we don't like, that we don't want to be. Second Timothy says it like this, and this is really where our remarks will come from this morning. Second Timothy 3.1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And then you get the uns. There are four of them. The conditions of the heart. Ungrateful. Unholy. It says without love. We could, we could substitute unloving. Unforgiving. Ungrateful. One of the reasons we don't laugh more is we get more focused on what we want than on what we have. Christmas kind of sets us up for that. And let me just tell you that in order for advertisers to be successful this Christmas, here's what they have to do. They have to convince you that what you have is inadequate and you need to buy the one that they're offering you. In order for them to sell something to you, the first thing they have to do is to convince you that the one you have isn't good enough. The car you have isn't good enough. The laptop you have, the, the, you know, the, the stereo, whatever it is, the, the sweater, whatever it is, it's not good enough. And if we can, the razor, if we can get you to convince that your razor is not shaving the whiskers on your face good enough, we can sell you our razor. And what happens is we, we have this high expectation of things, and then when it's not met, we start looking at what we have, we become ungrateful. You ever heard your kids complain about technology? You give your kids an iPod or an MP3 player and, Dad, this, IP, this iPod's not big enough. I need a bigger one. Well, you got 8 million songs on that one. The chip's the size of your thumbnail. I mean, how much smaller do you need it to be, Sparky? I mean, really, come on. <laughs> well, we used to, remember when we were big stuff, we had the, we had the Walkman, the cassette Walkman. You remember that? Yeah. With the foam ear things and the... And you would go jogging with that, and it felt like you had a watermelon hanging off the side of your... And then we really got the upgrade, and we got the CD player. But then you have to run really smooth with a CD player, because 
because it'll jump on you. Nobody wants to listen to a jumpy CD player. I think they got 700 channels of cable, but nothing on television. I had three, and I had to watch Watergate half my life. So, you know, we, we just, we get dissatisfied, we start complaining about things. There's a book that was written called The Progress Paradox, and in it, the author makes the statement, his basic premise is that the better off we are, the more unhappy we become. The better off we are, the more unhappy we become. He talks about this thing called choice anxiety. I've said for years now that the only thing worse than no choice is a choice. Think about it. You can have it in blue, red, or green. Oh, man, now i got to think. Do I want the blue one or the red one or the green one? Well, you know, where's it going to go? And what color is my car? I mean, you know... Wouldn't it be better if they just said this only... You know, Henry Ford, I think, might have been on to something when he said you can have it in any color you want as long as it's black. You know? I mean, sometimes... Now, certainly we like our, our cars to come in different colors, and, and Henry Ford probably wasn't right. But in some cases, it would be nice if there wasn't a choice. Right? If they just said, this is what you got to take. You know, just... This is it. Your, your, tele, your television comes like this. Or your, you know, whatever. Here it is. And the conclusion of this guy's book was the sooner we realize how good we have it, the better off we're going to be. I'm going to do something that's probably going to get me in trouble. That's okay. I'll, I'll ask forgiveness later. Um, he's an elder, so he has, to, he has to put up with things like this. Matt Sullivan is in our, our audience this morning. And uh, Matt is in a wheelchair, has been in a wheelchair since you were 20. 20. And uh, life's not easy for Matt. Matt, uh, to get here today, Matt has to do things that we don't have to do. And he has to get up way earlier than most of us. Um, you know, it's just, it's a different world for Matt. And, and Matt's a, a sports guy. He and I, he's an IU fan and I'm a UK fan. So we watched the game together last night. Very civilly, I might add. We're, we're still friends and brothers, aren't we, Matt? Yeah. And if I've ever heard Matt complain, it's because the Redskins aren't doing good. Or it's because IU doesn't have enough players or whatever, you know, something like that. But I can tell you this. I've known Matt Sullivan for a long time in that wheelchair. I have never, ever, ever heard him complain. Not one time. Not one time. His mom has to get up with him every morning. When they go with us to uh, an event like the Leadership Summit over in Indianapolis, or they've gone to Catalyst with us in Atlanta, Georgia, in order for him to go on something like that, you just can't believe the kind of stuff they travel with, the kind of special arrangements that have to be made for him to be able to eat the right way and, and, and the, the hotel accommodations and, and the transfer devices and things like that, how early they have to get up just to, just to his, so things can go smoother for him. They have to get up. They have to start way sooner than we do. And I've never heard him complain, never heard Sherry, not once, complain about anything related to the wheelchair or, or not being able to do like everybody else. And, and we have it so much better than most of the rest of the world. And I don't know how many times I've, I've heard people come back from a mission trip. If you've never been on a mission trip, I strongly encourage you to talk to Tracy about going to Honduras. There may be something in you going, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Trust me. Trust God. And go on the mission trip to Honduras, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to go, and you're going to come back. You're going to see a kid that has nothing. You're going to see a kid playing soccer with a wrapped up piece of cellophane. And he's happy. 
He's got joy. He, he never heard of a PSP. He has no idea what a flash drive is or a laptop. PlayStation means nothing to him. He, he doesn't even know what electricity is. And he's smiling and he's happy and he's full of joy. Is it really what's going on on the outside or is there something else? And sometimes I think we just, you know, we all need to go on a mission trip and realize again that we are an ungrateful bunch of people. And, and we don't appreciate what we have. And, and, and it messes with our joy. It messes with our ability to smile and laugh. The second heart issue that will rob your joy is unholy. You've sinned, I've sinned. We, we, this week, you know, we've made mistakes. We've done stuff we shouldn't have done. We've sinned. And immediately, isn't it true when you do that, it robs your joy. It just begins to go to work on you and, and you start to feel guilt and shame and, oh man, why can't I get past that? And, you know, what's the difference between a person who has joy and one who doesn't? It isn't that one sins and one doesn't sin. We all sin. So it's, it's, not, it's not that some are not sinners because we're all sinners. It is that one confesses sin and one doesn't. And one claims forgiveness and one doesn't. If you're a Christian, this is the best news I'm going to give you all morning. If you're a Christian, you are forgiven. That's the best news you're going to get today. If you're a Christian, you're forgiven. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. And the Bible goes on to say not only does he forgive us, but it says he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Righteous meaning right standing with God. It means that not only does he forgive us, he puts us in a right standing with God. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus could clean up your sin, wipe out the stain that's in your life, and put you in a right relationship with him third condition that will rob your joy and i'm not going to spend a lot of time here today because um, i'm going to talk about this next week when we talk about love much but it's unloving i, I take my daughter to uh, school every morning we we get to otter creek just a little before eight o'clock and when you pull up to drop the kids off um, you pull into a turning lane and then you get up to this uh, to the end of the turning lane and you turn right make a sharp right into the driveway and there are always cars coming down Lafayette Avenue from the north, and they need to cross over to be able to get into the driveway. And so what ends up happening once the cars all get in rhythm is, you know, every car kind of lets one cross, and then they go. And another one lets another one cross, and then they go. And, that, and it's, I mean, isn't that when you go to a, a, a ball game or you're in a big parking lot, doesn't it go nicer when, there's, when three lanes of traffic comes down to one? Doesn't it work better when we all take turns, Right? And we all know that. And then you run into the guy who decides he doesn't need to yield. He's special. You know, my kid, i got to get my kid to school sooner than everybody else. And I know it's your turn, but I'm going to go ahead and go. And poor Delaney, she hears me preach this sermon all the time. It's like, man, people aren't nice anymore. You know, what's wrong? You know, and I'll start pointing and my hands are waving and she just said. Stays nice and calm and quiet. She doesn't say anything. But poor Delaney has heard me preach this sermon so many times. What Now, how hard could it have been for him to let that car go? What kind of hurry could this guy be in right here? You know, we, we, we can't, he's got his blinker on. You can't see that he's got his blinker on. I mean, I would love to know what people think. when, they, Man, look at that guy talking. I mean, what's, he, what's he doing? 
I, look, I think his head's going to explode any minute. The last one is really the major culprit, the last condition of the heart, unforgiving. <clears throat> now, that's probably the most dangerous of all of them. See, when you carry around bitterness and hatred and anger, you do not punish the person that you're bitter toward or that you're angry at. You, that's not who, who gets hurt in that. You get hurt in that. It takes an immense amount of emotional... Um, energy to remain angry at somebody it takes a you have to load that gun every day you have to you know drag it all out and and get it all loaded up and carry it around all day and then your mind you go to sleep at night and your body mind clears it all out and then the next day you load it all up again you're not winning in that let me give you some advice this morning three words let it go let it go. You say, well, Brett, it's, not, it's, it's their fault. It's not my fault. Let it go. doesn't matter whose fault it is. Who wins? Don't carry that stuff. Drop it and move on. You're, you're loading up every day, and it's wearing you out, and it's stealing your joy. And you're not smiling and you're not laughing and you're coming into what should be one of the most beautiful, glorious seasons of the year. Not because of presents, not because of bright lights, but because you start to think about the fact that God loves you so much that he sends a baby, a gift to the world. Good news for all people that will cause great joy. And the thing is, some of us are believers. We're Christians. We've received grace. We've been forgiven, but we don't forgive. We're like a sponge. We soak it all in. I'll take all the grace. I'll take all the forgiveness, but I'm not going to forgive, and I'm not going to be, be a, 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 a person who gives out grace. I'm not going to be a person who gives out forgiveness. And the Bible says that when you run into someone like that, the Bible says you are deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. That that's what's wrong with that person. The truth's not in them. Yeah, they say they were, they were forgiven, but they, they're not ready to do that for somebody else. You receive grace. Offer grace. When you do, you will laugh more. Besides, it's not that person's fault. If you think the devil's not behind all this stuff, scheming, trying to figure out how he can create unrest and problems, and if you think that, that you know, anybody else is responsible for it, you're crazy. I mean, and, you know, no, no one is helped. You getting mad at them? I mean, no, no one's helped. It certainly doesn't help you carrying that around all the time. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come that they would be joyful. I've come that they would smile, be happy. Nehemiah 8, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Science has proven that those who laugh are healthier than those who don't. 
I want to give you three practical things that you can do this week. And I want to guarantee you that if you will do these three things this week, you're going to have a better week. Your attitude will improve. You'll smile more. You'll have more joy. You will appreciate your Christmas more if you will figure out how to do these three practical things in your world. Number one, make the choice. Don't put this on somebody else. You be responsible for your joy. Don't let someone else be responsible for your joy. It's too easy to blame somebody else. That is giving somebody else in your world way too much power and authority. Don't put it on somebody else. Wake up in the morning and say, I'm responsible for me. Don't give the economy that much power. Don't give the president that much power. Don't give your boss that much power. Take full responsibility for the way you feel. It's too easy to blame it on somebody else. Hebrews 12.1 Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Get rid of all that stuff that hinders you. First thing every day. Pastors hate rainy days, especially rainy Sundays. Pastors want, day, want Sundays that are conducive to church attendance. That's what pastors want. And when a pastor wakes up and it's raining and yucky outside, um, we just don't like that because to begin with, we don't want to get out of bed either. Okay? There's a news flash for you. We'd like to pull our covers up over our head. Some of you do that on Sundays when it's really raining. We don't have that luxury. We've got to come. I, I'm, as a pastor, I, want it, I don't want it to be beautiful outside because if it's too pretty, you won't want to come either. I don't want it to be really nasty outside. I want it somewhere in between. I want the birds to sing a little bit. I want it to, you know, a little breeze blowing. I want the fishing weather to be awful, hunting weather to be bad, you know. Golf. Don't want you to be able to golf. Somewhere in between. But I woke up <clears throat> this morning, came to work, and, and it was really cold, and it, all the snow that we got happened after I got here. Tracy came in and said, have you looked outside? I said, no, I haven't. It was dark when I got here, and when I looked outside, snow's flying. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And the first thought I had was, it's going to be a good nap day. It's good nap weather. Listen to this prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, so far I'm doing all right today. I have not gossiped. I have not lost my temper. I have not been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a minute. <laughs> and I may need a whole lot more help after that. Amen. <laughs> Sound like a prayer you pray, maybe? <clears throat> Here's a better prayer, Psalm 19. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my, re my, my rock and my redeemer. Here's a better prayer for you. Today, Lord, I will make a choice to have a completely different attitude. I will make a choice to have a completely different attitude. I was 18, 19 years old. I don't know how old I was. Wasn't, I hadn't seen a whole lot of the world yet. And um, I thought I had a crisis on my hands. I can't even remember what my problem was at the time. I think I was having trouble deciding what to do about school and wasn't going good for me. And I'll tell you that story sometime if you want to hear it. But... 
I made an appointment to go see my pastor. I had a rocking, awesome pastor. He was a phenomenal guy. He just turned over our church to a new pastor after 38 years of ministry in that one place, which, man, what a gift he's been to our church. And he is, he's been a great preacher, a great friend to me, had a huge influence on my life. And so I'm 18, 19 years old, and I, we go to dinner. I remember we went to a steakhouse, and he's, you know, I'm telling him, I'm pouring out my heart, all this stuff, all this stuff I'm worried about and all I'm trying to do. And, you know, he's, he's munching on his salad and eating some steak and you know, chewing, talking to me. And I pour all this out, and this is what he comes back with. You ready? Bolt your socks on because they might get knocked off. Change your attitude, change your day. Change your attitude, change your day. I thought, really? I just, I mean, I spent an hour. I've spent an hour laying all this out for you. This is really complicated. This is really hard for me. This is hurting me. This is, you know, I'm worried about this. And all you got, all you give me, Mr. Preacher Man that went to Bible college and stands up in front of all these people and tells them how to, you know, live life, all you've got is change your attitude, change your day. The older I get, the better that advice gets to me. That is some of the best advice I've ever been given in my life. Change your attitude change your day. Now, I'm a 48-year-old man. 30 years later, I remember what my pastor said to me. Point two, develop a high appreciation for life. The happiest people I know are the people who appreciate life. The happiest people I know are people who are happy with what they've got, who are content, who figured out that they don't need more. I want to be that person, but sometimes I'm not that person. You know, I talk about, the, you know, the car dealer trying to sell you a car that when your car's perfectly fine, I am that guy. I love cars. I got a great car. But I look at cars all the time. Oh, that's a pretty one. Oh, that's a nice one. Oh, look at that color. Here's the secret. Just be grateful. Just be thankful. I want us to read this together as a church family this morning. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Read this out loud with me. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if it's rainy, be happy. Sunny outside, be happy. If things are going great for you, be happy. If things aren't going great for you, be happy. Find joy. tell you a story about an African king had a friend his friend was his servant was his best friend trusted him was just a great guy and the servant one of the things that the servant did for the African king was he kept his guns loaded and he always kept them ready to go when the king wanted to go hunting one day the king was out hunting and the servant handed off the gun to the king and and the the African king raises his his arms on this animal and he shoots and the recoil on the gun big gun recoil hurts the king and the, 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 the servant had this habit of saying the same thing all the time. Well, this is good. This is good. Everything that happened, the servant would say, well, this is good. So the king has this recoil, and it, it literally knocks his thumb off. And he's messed up, and, you know, he says, ah, oh, my thumb's gone. And, and the, the servant says, well, this is good. This is good. king says, no, this is bad, because I'm going to throw you in prison. So he throws his servant friend in prison, and he's been in prison for a year, and the, the African king goes out one day, and he goes hunting. Servant's back in jail. While he's out hunting, he gets taken captive by cannibals. They are ready to eat him. 
They're all moving in to have dinner, and they realize that the king doesn't have a thumb. Being suspicious, superstitious the way they are, they decided not to eat the king because he wasn't whole. So they let the king go, and the king's walking away, and he's rejoicing. He's like, my servant is in prison. I need to go let him out. So he runs into the prison, and he says, I need to let you out. I'm so sorry I've had you in prison all this time. And he tells him what happened with the cannibals, and, and he said, but here you've been in prison all this time. I'm so sorry. And, and the, the servant said, no, this is good. And the king said, how in the world could you be in prison be good? He said, because if I'd been out, I'd have been with you. <laughs> Happy people have it figured out that when the bad things come, they turn it around. When the bad things come, happy people have figured out that not everything is going to be happy. Not everything is going to be perfect. It's not all going to go great. Happy people have figured out when that happens, I'm going to turn it around. I want to look at a passage of Scripture with you. We're almost done, so just stick with me. We're almost there. Romans 8.28, and I want you to hear the, the absolutes in this passage, okay? And we know that all things, not we think, we know. Not we have faith, we know. We know that in all things, not some things, not Monday, Wednesday, Friday things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God can turn it around. I heard the other day, a problem is not a problem, a problem is a pre-miracle. In order for God to do a really great thing in your world, you kind of have to have things messed up first. In order for God to really show himself in your world, things have to be a little messed up. Because you don't see God when things are going great. When things are going great, sad to say, if we're totally honest, we're probably not thinking about God the way we should. But boy, you let it go a little south. God! I'm down here! Number three, find something positive. There is enough negative stuff out there, okay? Find something positive. I'm going to say something that some of you need to hear. Stop watching the news. Stop watching the news. CNN, Fox, all they're designed to do is to get you to watch more. They want you to think they've got the answer to all the problems. They don't have the answer to all the problems. Here's the answer to all the problems. Stop, listen, they do it on purpose. If you think it's not set up to make you tune in and watch more, like, like this talking head is going to... Let me ask you a question. If you knew for sure that the Russians were going to invade next week, how would your life really be different? Can you stop the Russians from invading? Could you, could, I mean, would it make any difference at all? So you could build a bunker and you could hide down there for a while so you'd outlive the rest of us. For what? I mean, what difference does it make? I mean, if someone came on and said, you know, here's what's going to happen, and what are you going to do? A meteor is going to hit the earth. Oh, my. I'm going to take evasive action. What evasive action do you take for a meteor? They're not solving your problem. Touch base once in a while. Check in. Read the headlines. Look, you need to know what's going on in the world, but don't watch that all day long. That's messing with you. It's robbing your joy. Happy people have developed one little discipline. You know what it is? Here's what it is. They control what they think. They don't let someone else control what they think. Give me some verses of Scripture, we'll close. Philippians 4.8, I love this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There's something available to you and me as Christians that non-believers just can't do. We can turn it all over to God. I want to leave you with two verses of Scripture. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he says, don't, I don't want you to be anxious, but instead of being anxious, I want you to pray. So every time you're anxious, you're going to pray. All right? When you get anxious, you're going to pray. I want to show you what happens when you do that. When you do that, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means you don't, you know, we don't know how God does it, but somehow God does this. The peace of God will guard your heart. That word guard, the word picture in Greek is a, is a, a soldier who stands guard at your heart and says anxiety does not come in here. It's not allowed in here. So when you pray, instead of being anxious, that's what happens. And God offers an appeal to you today. This is it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Hear me very clearly this morning. God loves you. He loves you. you can, I, don't, I know you've got heavy stuff. I know there's stuff on your mind. I know you're hurting. I know there's things that are going on. You think, man, Brad, I can't carry this anymore. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for being a God who's big enough to handle our problems, big enough to handle what's going on in our life. And Father, we are sorry for the times we have let the outward circumstances rob our joy. We have so much to be thankful for, so much to smile over. We live in America, for crying out loud. We're free. We can come to church whenever we want. We can read our Bible anytime we want, pray whenever we want. And so, Father, forgive us because we... We, we, we become these people sometimes who don't seem very appreciative. And we cry out to you when, in fact, you are causing all things to work to good in some way. We may not know, may not be able to understand. But one day, we're all going to see how it all fits and folds together. And we'll say, oh, that makes sense. So, God, this morning, we just come humbly before you. We tell you that we thank you for life. And we want to smile more. We want to be more joyful us to wake up to what's around us. Help us to wake up to you inside of us. That's where our joy is. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray.